0: sha la to Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org. I, of course, am NC Scout, the commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia. And I'm joined today by my very good friend, frequent guest and author of the Tactical Wisdom series and Amazon bestseller, Mr. Joe Dolio. What is going on, brother? And, you know, I don't even know where to begin. There's a couple things going on. But but, probably
1: most importantly, I got new camouflage patches in, and I'm dropping one in the mail to you tomorrow. So oh oh it's pretty darn nice, man. it's nice
0: fire spitting that hot fire it's uh right on, man, right on yeah, I, I you know, I saw on Twitter that you had those out now, or we're going to have them out, and uh, really cool really really cool man it's uh it's good to see that the merchandise is getting around
1: yeah you know actually we had the idea a few months ago but then supply chain issues dropped it so they were kind of in limbo for a while but they're here now and pretty awesome
0: yeah they are here just in
1: time for the festivities to kick off around the world
0: yeah so you know you can you can give our um Our uh, peacekeeping overlords when uh, the the festivities kick off here in the United States. So you can give them PID uh, positive identification so that they know uh, when you see a tactical wisdom patch paired with, of course, the awesome, the awesome diamond skull resistor patch. Um, (laughs) And in the IR version, and we got to get an IR reflective version of yours as well.
1: Uh, yeah, gonna, I do need to do that. I have got my IR uh my IR reflective uh resistor one right here, but yeah, I definitely need to do
0: that. Yeah, I'll get you hooked up. I'll get you hooked up with the contractor that makes them. Um uh, you know, not cheap, definitely not cheap, but you know, quality comes with the cost and um they they are absolutely worth having done. Uh I can we take to that- have we can't have the un
1: claiming that some third rate militia clapped their voice <laughs> they need to know exactly
0: who it was <laughs> right there there needs to be no question you know there, there needs to be no question it's like oh yeah they yeah yeah it's so talking about talking about uh, not third rate so yesterday yesterday was a very interesting day it kind of went unnoticed in the news cycle Uh, At least here domestically, but on social media, on the open source outlets out there, you were all over this incident on Twitter. And some of the folks out there probably wondering just what the heck it is I'm talking about. Korea, Japan. All right. Sirens were going off in Japan on, uh, you know, their, their rocket attack alarms were going off because Japan felt mightily threatened. And now you've got Korea. There's an incident that is unfolding in Korea right now. And um you had some very interesting thoughts on that, an interesting take on that. Definitely one that that I thought was worthy. I immediately reached out was like, hey man, you know, we need to do a podcast tomorrow where we're kind of breaking down some of these topics. So what exactly for the folks who maybe didn't see this in the news or maybe it was just a footnote, what went on and, and kind of give us a rundown Of how we almost accidentally Got into World War III Yeah, so
1: here's the thing when, when when a nation does a missile test Under the UN charter They normally provide notification And let everyone know Hey, I'm about to lob a rocket Into the air And it's going to go in this direction um, Korea did that four times in the last week North Korea They let us know about four of them But Last night or, well, last night here, it was around 7.30 in the morning, Japan time. Um, They lobbed a missile with literally no warning, but they didn't just send it out in the middle of the ocean. They lobbed it directly at Japan. And so Japan, being the only country that's ever been attacked with nukes, uh, understandably had a little bit of a fit. And here's the thing. And everyone says, oh, that, that I'm overreacting to this. When I said, hey, this was a bigger deal than what they're making it. Japan would not, given their history, they would not set off the sirens lightly, right? Um, There's still people who have some memory of what happened. So setting off the sirens and ordering evacuations and telling people to get in the basement is a huge step. And Japan wouldn't have taken it lightly. So we have to understand how, how tense it was there uh, and how tense it was in the entire area. And of course, the missile sailed over Japan and into the East Sea. But uh, based on the response of the Japanese Coast Guard, they're they said they're recovering missile pieces. That leads me to believe it actually landed in Japanese waters. So um, this is a big international incident and um, one that might be taken, say, just ahead of Chinese hostilities into Taiwan to distract everyone. Um, So last night I was like, hey, man, this is this a big deal. So imagine if you were, say, an Australian ship captain or a British ship captain And you're patrolling through the East Sea there, and you see this rocket come streaking across the sky, headed towards Japan. And at the same time, there's a couple of North Korean ships in your area running around at high speed. There is the potential there for someone to take action what he thought was in self-defense that leads us into a shooting war uh, among our allies. Uh, Or your American ship captain, even. Um, it, It could have been much worse than it was. And we still don't know that it's all done because Japan is mightily upset, as you can imagine. Um, And we have now today um, a bunch of citizens reporting. They saw a whole bunch of rocket launches from a South Korean base into the sky. And then there were a series of explosions on the ground at that South Korean base. Um, After a few moments of confusion, the reporting says – that uh, the South Korean military claims they had an accident during training. Uh, I don't know what sort of an accident could cause all of that, uh, unless they accidentally yeah. missed trying to shoot down Korean
0: missiles. Yeah, I. All of this is sounding a lot like a few years ago with the the quote unquote accidental um, Hawaii. Attack nuclear attack alarm activation uh, that lasted for roughly forty five minutes. Um, it, it, they, there's a lot of oddities that are occurring here. Um, you know it, it it looks like to me that there probably is something that's going on, uh, they're they're trying to to keep it as limited as possible. Um, but there's there's definitely some coordinated activity going on here. you've You've got. The Russian belogorod submarine that has launched, um, you know, there's some pieces up on AmericanPartisan.org. I've been following this story for a long time. Um, you know, it, it, it launching and going to sea is really not that big of a deal because that's what submarines do. Uh, but the development of this sub, uh, kind of its, it's checkered history, um you know just a few years ago there was a a pretty serious accident uh because the submarine itself includes a mini sub that is detachable and uh can do some other very interesting things so it, it, it it's pretty fascinating you've got that along with North Korea making moves and some some pretty serious saber rattling here you've got uh the envelope getting pushed in Ukraine it just seems like to me you know all all of these things coming together if if you know you look at a scatter plot of activity of of you know what we used to call sigax or significant activities and you start to put those things together you know the, the scatter plots getting tighter and tighter and tighter and the tighter it gets the closer we're getting to to you know spicy times and um and, and i'll point out yeah. that in
1: 2010 when the when the chonan uh a south korean ship was sunk uh everyone said well, it was some sort of an accident and it, everyone now knows that it was certainly not an accident uh north korea sank it yeah so um they have a history of of calling these things accidents and it later turning out that there was actually some combat going on um interesting yeah. times man well, like I, I said, when it, when people see the, the the lack of American leadership, every regional
0: strongman decides now's my time. Right, right, and and you know you have all of the leaders of the world who are in opposition to United States hegemony. Right, so Russia, China, you know, obviously North Korea, um, you know, India is increasingly becoming more belligerent um there there's kind of an interesting exchange that that occurred uh between India and the United States earlier this week uh you know cuz it's Tuesday i think this was it, it, the story broke sunday afternoon was was when i saw this uh these statements were being made so it, it um you you've got basically the BRICS hegemony and the United States Federal Reserve hegemony Which uh, is, they are increasingly becoming more and more hostile to one another. And uh, this is, with the unfolding economic downturn patterns that that we're seeing, this is getting real interesting. Um, Somebody, and I'm going to go on and, and point this out, somebody in the world needs a war right now to fix their economy. Could be the United States, could be our adversaries. I tend to think it's everybody right now. It's everyone. You know when this
1: pipeline just mysteriously blew up, and 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 allegedly no one knows who did it, even though there was an American Amphibious Readiness Group right over the top of it. But I digress. I said if only there was some sort of a world supervillain who dresses funny and has a German accent who was controlling things. You know, maybe his name could be Klaus Schwab or something like that.
0: Uh, Ernst Stavro Blofeld Schwab (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. wow uh, There's no
1: other explanation, man Other than, than the forces putting themselves in position For a global conflict And what does that mean for you and me? It means be ready, man
0: Right, well You know, our domestic picture Is dire and th- this is something that's not news to I think anybody out there, especially everybody living in in uh, you know urban areas. But this is happening in the rural areas too. It is is you know, we have uh, the liberal domination of the district attorney's office, uh, the prosecutorial offices all across this country has created a a unlivable situation, and you know it's it's reaching a fever pitch, but the problem is, is that what do you do about it? And when we don't hear it here in rural Michigan, in rural Michigan,
1: we had an attack last week. That was a blip. No one noticed it. So this woman was out. She's 86 years old. She's passing out literature about proposal three, which in Michigan, uh, she wants people to vote no on it in Michigan. That's the abortion, um, proposal to, to overturn a Michigan law, to allow Any kind of abortion you want whenever you want that the governor's pushing for. So this woman's out going door to door, passing out flyers. Well, she comes to a liberal house way out in the sticks in a place called Lake Odessa, Michigan, pretty country area. So the woman there confronts her and starts screaming at her and yells at her to leave. So she starts to leave. The husband comes out of the garage and shoots the 86 year old woman through the shoulder with a 22 caliber rifle. Now, That woman Ah. then gets in her car and drives to the police station uh, and reports that she's been shot. The police go and investigate these people. The liberal folks who live in the house claim that the woman was there and refused to leave. Well, you can't have shot her in the back if she wasn't leaving. That's item one. Item two is if there was someone at your house refusing to leave, why did you call not call 911 before you shot her? And why did you never call 911 after you shot her? So right. these kind of incidents, everyone thinks are you know are in the big cities, they're literally everywhere. I mean, we had a political homicide in North Dakota, right? Yeah. And now we've had this shooting here in Michigan.
0: It's getting it. You're you're 100% right. It is getting really bad, and you need to understand yeah. that. And you know, it it plays into the global picture because they're all paying attention to this. You know, every every adversary of the United States, every every country in opposition to us hegemony is seeing this and it's giving a justification to say, Hey, you know, maybe we need to back away from the United States. They don't even stand up for their their own people inside of their country. They're an insane country, you know? So perfect example, you know, we've, we've got the, uh, the second round of elections tonight in Brazil. It's going to be very fascinating to see how this breaks down, but, when when uh, we're examining this, you know, Bolsonaro is the real last piece of the puzzle that needs to be removed for BRICS because BRICS begins with Brazil. Okay, yeah. they need Brazil. Bolsonaro is very much against BRICS. Like that—that's yeah, what yeah, it was ran Lula on. that started it, right? Yes, yes, and and the United States wants to work with Lula they they're picking this guy over well, they, they yeah you know. he
1: met with the director of the CIA a couple of weeks ago so you know there's yeah. a uh, there's some election shenanigans coming up
0: it's this this is absolutely ridiculous and and our adversaries are laughing at us because they know when they see a guy like Anthony Blinken get up there and say well it was obviously sabotage but uh we don't know who did it they would respect him substantially more if he said yeah we did it yeah we blew that up why did we do it yeah. because we can that re- strength embodies respect strength earns respect and that's what you know they uh i, I think it's always really funny that you have the liberal pundits say oh that thug putin or that thug this guy or, that thug, that's how it works all right that's what you got to yeah. beat you you have to be a strong man. You have to say, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. I don't care about your opinion. This is what I'm doing. What are you gonna do about it? And that's that. They, they don't respect a, a guy who's an obvious puppet like Biden. That that's you know that, that's that's one of my biggest pet peeves about liberals in general is that they had they have no respectable qualities, none whatsoever. Um, you know it and it it's. The, the thing is, is that our situation here at home is completely untenable, and when it, it is rapidly coming to a head, internationally, when things kick off, these other countries of the world is, and I promise you the conversation's being had in Europe right now, can we even count on the United States, militarily? Look at, look at the recruiting numbers, you know, people don't want to fight. Um, they, they don't want to go into the military and I can't really blame them, you know? And and so here, here we are. And they say, I mean, uh, and two, for all the liberals out there that have been kind of mocking the the Russian efforts at conscription for various reasons, just you wait, you're going to get your turn too. Um, you are going to get your turn as well when it comes around when that selective service board becomes real once more and i think that that, that time is rapidly uh approaching because well yeah, especially as we're not prudence. meeting
1: our numbers and and, and russia yeah. increasing their force posture uh, prudence demands we respond in kind at some point and uh it's right. going to be and interesting we're out, of
0: munitions. we're out of we i mean at this point we are running out of munitions and we do not have the The ability to sustain this level of conflict. Um, we, we don't have that. We don't have that ability to replenish it. Um, it's not physically there. It doesn't matter how much money we throw at Raytheon or General Dynamics. They can't just magically rebuild missiles overnight, guidance systems overnight, train people overnight. You can't do that. Uh, it, it's literally not possible. This is what 20 years of fighting um,
1: third world militias has given us rather than fighting a nation state. Right. We right. we we didn't go through nearly as much materiel in in Iraq and Afghanistan, as you will, in a high tempo hyper war situation with a peer, uh, as we're seeing between Ukraine and, and Russia. And I guess we've forgotten that since World War One or World War Two. And. You know, I'm going to tell you that this should be giving us pause. The the amount of losses we're having and the amount of gear we're having to send should be sending people to the negotiating table, right? But instead, it's full speed ahead. And if you notice, when when Elon Musk suggested the potential for peace talks, he suddenly became hated by
0: everyone. Yep. that it's, it's, it's crazy. You, you read my mind because I was about to bring him up. One of the most critical weapon systems, as it turns out, which was never intended to be a weapon system, but has very much been weaponized, has been Starlink. And the ability to have a satellite-based internet system that becomes the backbone for a multitude of purposes, but the the open-source intelligence gathering that has been able to be streamlined uh, down to the small unit level has been really something that that I think is impressive. Uh, I, I was originally writing a much longer piece on it about a week ago. And, um, you know, here we are, it's, it's once more in the news and it's one of those things that hasn't really been, uh, hasn't really had a lot of attention paid to it, but you know, you've got Musk saying, you know, Hey, maybe we need to cool the jets here and, you know, of course you have Zelensky, uh, the pianist getting out there, you know, he he's, he's going to fight to the last Ukrainian, uh, you know, while he's, he's, uh, his parents are buying a uh, beachfront property in Israel, but you, you, you've, uh, you know, this guy is, is literally war profiteering here and, and yeah, I, I'm going to trash him, um uh, because that, that's exactly what's going on. I, I'm fed up with my, my tax dollars paying for a guy who's not even a united states ally um you know and and What's a lot of it he, said,
1: stan keeps calling it the 51st state and quite honestly we've spent <laughs> more there than we have in most states here in the united states right mm-hmm.
0: right yeah it, it it's it, the the money laundering the grift the it it's just um it it's absolutely sickening and You know, but here's the thing: is that Starlink has been used in a very impressive way. That I think any of the uh, open source intelligence analysts, myself included, uh, that, that deal with these kinds of things, examine this kind of stuff, really need to be paying close attention to this because. There's a, a lot of ways that that can be weaponized, utilized for, you know, patriots out there for, you know, the, the future of asymmetric conflict, which, you know, we, we see the beginnings of opening up here now. And, um, you know, st- because here's the thing, that Starlink as a system is not going to go away overnight. Um, you know, our legacy systems that, that are up that that kind of have formed the backbone of of different things that we've used uh satcom and uh gps and everything else could those be disabled in various ways um yes but one of the things with starlink that's very interesting to me is that it has been built with reliability and redundancy out of the gate um right. Right. And 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 it's based on technology of the second decade of the twenty first century, you know, not nineteen seventies carryover programs from NASA and DARPA and the NSA. I keep telling people
1: that, that, that want to talk about their, their cool GPS units that hey, our GPS system is the flower of nineteen eighty five technology. You might want to second yeah. guess that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and also have a, a receiver that can receive GLONASS, uh, because GLONASS is the, the Russian counterpart. Uh, Beidou, which is online now, and um, I got myself into a little bit of trouble a few years ago, uh, posting up the, the uplink frequencies to Beidou. Uh, the Chinese government was not very happy about that. But uh, nonetheless, whatever, I don't care what they think uh, cause they're an enemy nation, but it, it, it's just very fascinating. Um, it's very fascinating that, that all these systems, these parallel systems have come online and, uh, Starlink though is it, in many ways, it's the beauty of the private sector, what the private sector can achieve, um, at, you know, outside of governmental apparatus, but it was built with redundancy in mind. And so, um, you know, Starlink is is really uh, in a lot of ways. It's going to be very interesting, um, you know, for for all those open source tech guys out there that are working, using this as a backbone for the network of the system. It's it's going to be very fascinating. But keep in mind, keep in mind something I would point out to to uh, the uh, the audience out there is that after Russia. After Russia has taken its licks and it knows that uh, Starlink is one of its weaknesses on the ground, I promise you they will be figuring out how to target it. And I don't mean target the satellite system itself, but target the ground users. I promise you. So whether you're, you know, a guy in Poland or Moldova, or wherever the next theater of, of this conflict opens up, or, you know, it's, it's the United States in some uh, protracted future where, you know, we're having to, to fight off peacekeeping invaders that, that are using uh, Russian hegemony uh, level technology. They're going to be sharing that information. Okay, so definitely understand this is something uh, I've been doing some work with signals intelligence uh, lessons from the farm. I put up another episode today Uh, over on Twitter. I did a whole thread about how to mitigate the amount of RF and how to um, measure the RF that you're emitting from, uh, you know, your group while you could be on a patrol or whatever, how to kind of mitigate some of those effects really need to be paying attention to that uh so all the guys out there that are you know advocating using mesh networks or a or like the stuff that uh relies on on constant transmission of redundant data uh consistent transmission of data to create networks you're going to be targeted okay and, and it's and, pretty and a, i think pretty that i wanted to bring it up I, I think you first brought it to my attention but I, i've been thinking about this a
1: lot lately uh ATAX was an op from the beginning to the end because what it did is it got the folks who are most likely to be involved in resisting the the, the liberal playbook to go ahead and register and download and get this program and let something else know exactly where they were all of the time. Uh it, it's just silly if you have ATAX on your device. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah. It, well, yeah. For for a lot of reasons, it's uh, for a lot of reasons. All all the reasons I can think of, I I cannot think of one single advantage to to a gorilla uh, to be using that. And uh, I mean, mesh networking is the same way. Every time, I hate to say it because I, you know, I know there's probably somebody listening this like, oh, he's he's going on about mesh networking again. Every time that you you see somebody bringing up mesh networking. They have absolutely no idea what purpose it's going to have and they'll use, you know, buzzwords, uh, you know, uh, again, qualitative versus quantitative. Oh, it's encrypted. Yeah. How? Okay. Okay. So what, uh, it doesn't matter if something's encrypted, if I can still locate the source of the transmission, the source of the transmission doesn't, doesn't change. Um, it, it, it's irrelevant at that point it's irrelevant if uh you know it, it has something like you know a few hundred meters of range on it So okay so what doesn't it doesn't matter like it, there's so many other ways that i i can accomplish the same goal way simpler um uh, with better equipment more robust equipment that i actually control whether or not it's transmitting rf uh you know it, it just uh it these things make my head hurt. Um but yeah, it, this it, network too, it's it's gotta be up. It can't be it's not a push to talk thing, right? Right. So right. It it you you're not you're not controlling when it transmits. Uh the end user is not. You you know, it once once it's up, it establishes a, a link. That's the way that it works. Um boom, done deal, and it will tell you whether it has the uplink connected or not. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's and yeah, people say, oh, but I'm going to use it at my retreat to do what to do what, um, you know, would, I mean, what are you going to stare at a, a tablet for, you know, hours while you've, you've got an, a, a guy in an observation post, you know, yeah, I had I mean, somebody pointed is, out
1: as as security for their for their retreat. And I'm like, OK. So I'm at the I'm at the OP and there's three guys running at me. I'm going to take the time to type out a message on the mesh network and then hit send and wait for you to get it. Or would I rather just hit the push to talk on my short range UHF radio and and send you the the, the data? I mean, wow. Yeah,
0: it's, you know, uh, I don't know. I could go down that rabbit hole for a long time, but but. Uh, circling back. So I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the Belgorod submarine with just a few minutes left on the clock, because yeah. this, this is the one that's captured a lot of people's fascination right now. And it's one that I've talked about quite a bit, you know, and, and you kind of drew some, some humorous, but serious parallels to, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Hunt for the Red October. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know even though i highly doubt a captain ramius uh, type character that that would defect is captaining this vessel uh just doesn't doesn't seem plausible but you know hey i mean whatever uh yeah. you know for the, for the one person listening to this show that probably hasn't seen the hunt for the red october it's it's a great movie um it's yeah it it, it it is really the only movie i can watch that has uh alec baldwin in it so, yeah. um, you know, he, he's, you know, ugh. but uh, anyway, point is, though, is, is that, you know, we, we we have this mammoth submarine that has uh that, that is a they, they, there were some people that were commenting on it saying, you know, it was old kilo class and it, that much is true. OK, that that is correct. Factually correct. It is. But they've brought it up to date, and they have dumped – the Russians have dumped a lot of money into two primary areas of their, their order of battle at the large scale. One was in electronic warfare. The other was in submarine technology. And they've been doing that. We have not been doing that. Uh, we have not been doing that. The Navy has severely atrophied during the, the 20 years of global war on terror. And that's, that's by everybody's estimation, even ours. And so our anti-submarine warfare program did not really advance. It kind of stagnated. And so, uh, this the sub at least what's been published on it, and this is from our own sources by the way um you know defense one, which is you know really a a kind of sounding board for the military industrial complex um you know and and jane's of course uh and and some of the other open source um uh material that's out there they they've really you know kind of overstated the the threat that this Belgorod submarine uh which is the first in its class poses and now this thing it looks like it's out on its its maiden voyage it, it's been activated um it contains torpedoes that are nuclear tipped uh so you have a subsurface nuclear detonation um You know, this is a I think there's a lot of hyperbole when they say uh, doomsday weapon. It's not a doomsday weapon, but you definitely can wreck uh, the coastline of a place pretty quickly. Um, Yeah. You know, this is this is pretty dangerous. uh, But more importantly, you could wreck a coastline, but you could also wreck a carrier battle group or carrier strike group by getting inside of it. Uh, getting inside of its air, its area of operations and detonating one of those torpedoes. Uh, so this is... is hey, ch- it's, it's not even just
1: a torpedo. It's more of an undersea drone. So they yeah. can launch it, drive it somewhere, and let it sit on the bottom until the carrier battle group goes over it and then just hit detonate. And yep. uh, that's the danger in it, and that's why they call it the doomsday weapon. It's not any bigger than any other nuke just that you would have literally no notice of it because it's underwater and it can just loiter or move at really low speed uh while it does have a high top end speed it can also just run on battery and sit there uh it being a drone uh as opposed to a straight torpedo
0: right right yeah so this is you know it carries eight of them uh it has a payload of eight of them and that's pretty, uh, th- this, this is pretty significant, uh, for, for every reason that I can think of, you know, this is, um, this is something to be very concerned about, you know, for all the people out there that, you know, cheerleading United States and we're so great. And, you know, look at them, we, we got them on the run. I mean, you know, Hey, Hey, enjoy that cake moment, uh, right then, but I'm going to tell you something. You know, for every action, there's a counteraction. And we have not seen the the reaction, the real reaction out of Russia. We haven't seen it. We've not seen that yet. Um, and, and so all these guys out there that are seemingly, uh, you know, rest on their laurels, and they're so dialed in on Ukraine that, you know, we we're... We're getting to a very dangerous level of hubris. What well, say you?
1: Oh, absolutely. And and, and here's the thing. Um, everyone wants to try to figure out who blew up those pipelines. Um, here's the fact of the matter. Doesn't matter. The fact is that it happened and Russia is going to have to respond. Um, and, and for those who say, well, Russia did it, but that's just that's absolutely ludicrous. That would make no sense. They control half of it and they would just blow it up from their own end rather than going all the way to Denmark's end. But um, the point of it is, is that there's literally no media attempt to figure out what happened because they know most likely what happened. And there are, as you said, there are a set of consequences coming and we haven't seen yet. Uh, And it's only going to get worse. Uh, Ukraine was the beginning. We've got the pipeline situation. We've got this tension in the in the South China Sea. Um, we've got Japan and China also fighting sort of a, a, a shadow naval war over um, some gas fields there uh, in the in the China calls them the the Diaoyu Islands. Uh, I'm not really sure what Japan calls them, but they both claim them. And there's a bunch of gas fields there, and China's building a whole bunch of uh, oil platforms there. And Japan's screaming about it, but there's really not much Japan can do. Uh, we're just, everything is heading for a confluence, right? Into, into where something really bad is going to happen. And if you are the, the powers that be in the world, you have a couple of choices. You go back to the old standby of what solved the last two big financial crises uh, on the planet, which was World War. Or you let your economy crash and you get to the same place. Uh, it's far better to blame it on someone else. So World War looks pretty attractive to them.
0: Yeah, no, 100 percent. You know, you you hit the nail on the head with that one because they they have to have that. And it's all the 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 debt bubble. The giant debt bubble that it seems like everybody has right now, you know, at, at the nation state level, everybody has this. Uh, it's, it's getting too serious to hide at this point. And so the, the world is kind of jockeying to see who, who the, uh, who is going to emerge out of this as the last man standing as the last country
1: standing. What's crazy is, is that the bank of England took those drastic measures to, to stop themselves from crashing and literally no one blinked an eye at it. What they actually said was we're going to use made up money to buy our own stocks and put more money in our bank. And, and
0: everyone's like yeah that's a great idea it literally makes no sense no it, and it it's not helping them uh it is not helping them at all and so their situation is is britain's situation is getting more and more dire and uh you've got them you've got credit swiss you have uh you know the, the federal reserve um which y- the un is is coming out saying i mean they all but said hey federal Reserve, quit." hiking interest rates uh the you know they, they were saying that the banks of the world need to stop doing that well you know wink wink nod nod hey you know all of you over there but you fed especially uh stop doing that you know so it, it, it's we, we are in uh we're entering that period and it seems like um Everybody at at every single level wants all of us at one another's throats, um, because that is gonna benefit uh them keeping the the global Ponzi scheme going around. Brother, uh, with just one last thing, obviously everybody can find you at com. Get the books, any last things that you want to put out?
1: Um, I want to put out just like I mentioned in my article last week, um, all that stuff you've been preparing for And all that stuff you've been gathering things for Is now, right It's time to get yourself in right. that operating mode That you are already in this collapse We just It's a slow moving one And we're just not seeing it The way you might have imagined So understand that
0: moment is now Amen Now it is I agree in full, brother I agree in full Hey Thanks for being back on with us, man Absolutely. Anytime. God bless, folks. Get yourselves ready. May God bless you. And I'll be back on the air with you again very, very soon. The Scout out.